I never really felt super intimidated by com competition because I just like didn't see it. I didn't see brands that were speaking to me. I didn't see like really, especially at that time, cleaner brands speaking to acne prone skin in the way that I was. And so I was kind of just like carving this space for like the acne care market like needs to change. Welcome to the Charting Her Course podcast brought to you by the Pacific Coast Business Times. This podcast will give an inside look at women who own and run small businesses on California's Central Coast. I'm your host, Veronica Kuzma, and I'm so excited to put a spotlight on these fascinating businesses in San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and Ventura counties. This podcast would not be possible without our sponsor, Bank of America. More from them a little later. Jamika Martin is the founder and CEO of Rosen Skincare, a Paso Robles-based skincare brand designed to treat acne with clean ingredients. Jamika started Rosen as an undergrad at UCLA in 2017 and has since quadrupled its sales as of July 2020. Now Rosen is available online and at Urban Outfitters. Listen as she talks about growing a bootstrap startup, navigating entrepreneurship, and scaling quickly due to popular demand. Please enjoy this episode with Jamika Martin. I'm so excited to have you today, Jamika. Thank you for joining me. So let's just start out with you talking a little bit about your skincare line and the products that you make. Yeah, so I started Rosen Rye when I graduated um, from undergrad. And so I didn't go into undergrad thinking I was going to start a business. I was always kind of familiar with the idea. I had a lot of ideas, but in my mind, it was very much like a side hustle. I didn't really think of it as like something I would do forever. And um, I went into UCLA with a business economics degree and so always kind of like in that business side but really kind of not thinking about necessarily starting something but just kind of like working at some like corporate spot um, and so it wasn't until my last year of college so I ended up finishing college a year early and it was like midway through that last year that I was like oh I can finish this year and so I kind of like came a lot quicker than I anticipated like am I going to do this full time like I kind of need to decide now and really like, I would say like the winter quarter of my last year, I decided like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna just do it full time. Uh, we weren't like making money or anything. It, it was just kind of like me jumping into it. And so um, I never like took that time to apply for corporate jobs or anything like that. I really just kind of like dove into Rosen. I ended up doing an accelerator right when I finished. So it allowed a little bit of time to, you know, get started and everything. But yeah, very much went from just like being a student straight into Rosen and kind of like figuring it out along the way. Did it seem like intimidating when you were like actually going to start this for real as your business, knowing that there's like so many skincare lines out there? How did you feel about that? Yeah. So when I started, I knew that there was a ton of skincare. And I think that luckily kind of early before I even like launched, I had that like mindset shift of like okay we're we're doing this for acne prone skin and we're like you know we I wasn't necessarily claiming like acne care brand at that point but it was kind of like clean skincare for acne prone skin and so once I had that mindset shift I became less kind of like overwhelmed with competition I guess and also you know kind of when I first started I wasn't really thinking about competition at that point so I was just kind of like doing it and then fortunately I had had that mindset shift around the same time I had to start thinking about like what is competitive? What do competitors look like in this space? And so, for me, I 
of course there's so many brands and I think one of the biggest things for me was we're bootstrapped and so there's so many brands who might have a similar idea and get funding and blow up way quicker than we do and then we kind of like ah, you know like I, I was trying to like claim this like space in the market unfortunately that didn't really like kind of happen and you know there is room for like competitors of course but I as somebody who's dealt with acne prone skin and as somebody who's shocked that aisle day in and day out for like years of my life I never really felt super intimidated by com competition because I just like didn't see it I didn't see brands that were speaking to me I didn't see like really especially at that time cleaner brands speaking to acne prone skin in the way that I was and so I was kind of just like carving this space for like the acne care market like needs to change overwhelmingly and I think we've seen a lot of things kind of pop up in the years since I kind of like really got started but you know starting to get traction and really just continuing to believe in like what we're doing and still the differentiation we're bringing in that space um helped me feel like less intimidated by other competitors I was gonna ask about actually the funding like raising capital and stuff how was that like from the beginning and then up till now when I started, I really was just babysitting or tutoring and using um, whatever money I had left over to put into the business. Um, I didn't have any type of savings. Um, my personal credit card was like very close to the maximum limit, so I didn't have anything to pull off there. And so really, I started super small, um, making anywhere from like 50 to 100 products at a time, maybe. Um, really just like ordering super small batches of products, super small batches of ingredients, making it in-house. Uh, really just kind of starting super small. I think my first business credit card that I got, which was a little under a year that I launched, um, was like 1200 bucks. And so just starting very small and kind of just like continuing to scale it up from there. And um, I paid my, I ended up paying myself like a year in and I didn't really do marketing. The marketing I did was like influencers. So sending them products. So very much like everything we made just went back to like making more products for at least, you know, the first year and a half pretty much. And so, um, not as much of experience with like investors raising money or anything like that. In my mind, that was always just such a daunting process and I just continued to put it off. And, you know, fortunately I kind of did and, you know, retained ownership of our company, but, um, never really went down that pathway and then eventually kind of going into there's some like uh revenue share like paypal working capital clear bank things like that that i did kind of tap into um and if we need we, they're available to us right now but um yeah really just kind of kind of growing off of sales and profits and things like that do you have any um advice for like the financial part for someone starting their own business Yes, I would say if you are, I mean, honestly, overall, but I think especially if you're bootstrapped, I've had a lot of conversations with some um, friends who have raised money and the big difference between, you know, obviously if you're bootstrapped or investing, well, one is, you know, speed, how quickly you can grow and kind of blow up and two, that cushion and that margin for error. You, if you're bootstrapped, you kind of have like, you can make a few wrong decisions and be like, oh, wow, like this is really hard. How am I gonna pay people this week? How are we gonna make products this week? Whereas if you have investors, you can make those mistakes and so like, we have like 100,000 in the bank at least. You know, like you're still fine. You just have a lot more room to make those mistakes. And so because if you're bootstrapped, 
that margin for error is so much so much smaller. I would recommend, um, of course, getting an accountant and like a bookkeeper as early as you can. Um, they're contractors, and so they're usually not that much. Um, but if you can, one thing that I literally like recently did was um, start working with like a fractional CFO. So basically, it's like not somebody that you hire on full time, but they're kind of like a contractor. Again, I just found them on like Upwork. Um, and they are, you know, not only looking into your cash flow and looking into your budget, but also helping you make those decisions around purchasing. Up until like a few months ago, still, even though like at whatever scale we were at, things would be very tight, like week in and week out. And it just didn't make sense because we we're making so much more money, but I just didn't have the financial savvy to navigate the cash flow or to even really understand our cash flow. And it felt like every time I was kind of making any decision around like, content creators or equipment or things like that. I was like, mm, yeah, you know, we have money in the bank account. Let's do it. And so not really thinking about it in the future tense. And so that is definitely my biggest piece of advice is if you can get those two people on early, not just like a bookkeeper, but also somebody who's like knows how to make financial decisions and knows how to forecast out and run your cash flow. Those are going to be so crucial because now we're just like in such a healthier space as far as like when we make purchases or what to make purchases on and being able to operate, you know, if anything happens or you, you don't make sales or you're not me me meeting your benchmarks, you can kind of just like continue to run without having to stress about that. So obviously it was just you, right? Like in the very beginning alone. And then how did you, did you grow a team? Do you have a small team now? Yeah. So up until it was about, I'd say a year and a half in, it was just me. And then I brought on one of my friends to just help pack orders like a couple hours a day. Um, and she's now kind of like head of operations. And so I have, uh, I think three or four contractors on, so like Instagram newsletter, like random things like that. And then I have, um, about, well, right now it's a little bit bigger. We have probably close to 10 people on the team. Bulk of those people are in production. Um, and that's something we're kind of, a lot of those people are temporary because I think we're, we're transitioning over to like a manufacturer and things like that. Can you talk about how you got into Urban Outfitters and the story behind that? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it was like not even a year in. I had just found some folks on LinkedIn and I emailed her and I was like, you know, I'd really just like love your feedback on my brand. I'd love to just hear your thoughts. And I sent her a package and, you know, that was probably, that was early 2018. And so, you know, fortunately nothing went forward because I was definitely not ready for anything in that realm. But I've always been somebody that's kind of like, um, I'm very actionable, but I'm also like very like, let's get it done now. And uh fortunately like certain partnerships just like didn't happen at that time because it would have probably been very hard to pull off i probably would have pulled it off but still we we're super early on um and i sent her packages and then i would just touch base like every couple months like hey you know would love to send you more packages love to get your thoughts with your feedback uh, and just like never really heard back after that first package i didn't hear back i think i got connected with another buyer and then I, same thing, yeah, send me a package, super interested, and then just like never heard back. And it would kind of be, I probably would reach out to them every, like once a quarter, every, every three months. And um, maybe like, maybe 50% of the time, 25% of the time, they'd say like, yeah, send a package, we'll check it out. And that was kind of it. So 
not a ton going on there, but I was like, I'm just going to keep trying. You know, I know I'm ready. And especially towards last year. So we launched with them in December of 2019. So especially, you know, that second half of last year, I was like, we're good. Like we're ready. We can do this. It's going to be so like, we're fine. We can bring customers to your site. Like we're just waiting on you. And I would see brands launch in urban that I was like, I know they're smaller than us. I know we have a bigger production team. I know we have, you know, more customers to pull from what's kind of going on. And so just continuing to reach out. And I remember this was, I think September. Um, I, so I did that target accelerator like a couple, like a year or two before. And I, so I have been in contact with just like people from their team. And one of my mentors there was like, you know, yes, sell your brand, sell why you're a good fit there, but let them know what you're doing. Like, let them know your sales, let them know where you're spending on marketing, let them know like, Hey, this is where we're spending on marketing. I would love to like spend that just to send them to urban's website or send them to urban stores. And I did that. I said, put together a deck and after like, whatever it was like a year and a half of kind of just like hitting them up with no response a day later, they're like, all right, let's get her on board. You know, let's get you on board. And I was like, sweet, you know? And so that's like, I always tell people, it's like, of course, follow up with them, sell why you're a good fit with the brand and why, you know, my customers shop at urban because we have like the same demographic, but also like, Hey, this is what we're doing in sales. This is our ROI. This is where we're spending on marketing. And like, just let us spend, let us spend your marketing dollars for, you know, like let us just drive people to your site. Because I think, a lot of people go into retailers thinking it's kind of like you made it when in reality, a lot of retailers are looking at like, how are you going to bring people to our site? Like we're not going to do any lifting for you. Honestly, like retailers aren't really thinking like that. They're thinking about like, how are you going to send your customers to us? Which to a lot of people, of course they don't want to do. They'd rather do direct consumer. But if you want those bigger retailers, you have to kind of think like that. And so, yeah, that was the biggest thing. And then after that, we basically got onboarded and, uh, we launched straight in six stores, which I'm super fortunate for because they launch a lot of people online only. Um, and so I was very happy to, you know, be launching indoors and online. And then um, obviously COVID happened. And so it kind of like slowed down any, any expansion indoors. Um, and so hopefully, you know, we're able to kind of start ramping that up and, you know, kind of start working in some more doors with them and really thinking about it from the long haul, as far as how that partnership will work and, what volume looks like and things like that there if we're able to kind of just continue to expand with them. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, cause I saw, you know, on your post that you said that you guys quadrupled your sales, right. During the pandemic, this current pandemic mm-hmm. in April and May. So in April we doubled our sales from March, which was from just COVID. I think people shopping in online more, all that stuff. And so that was super exciting. Um, but it was doable. It was fine for us. We were able to keep up with it. Like no problem. Yeah, it's busier, but like we're solid. And then June was like out of nowhere, like all of a sudden, obviously just with everything going on, supporting black owned brands and things like that, it was just like a huge jump for us. And so that was something that we, as far as like a production standpoint, just like weren't prepared for. We probably could have handled another like double, maybe even like three X, but it was just like right there. It was like, okay, this is a lot. And so really the biggest issues that came up was in production. And so, you know, making sure we're planning out properly, especially now, like we're moving at max capacity right now. So if you're spending even one day making something that doesn't need to get made, it's going to trickle down and affect so many things. And so really just making sure we're planning out the production calendar properly, making sure we're allowing more lead time. Um, 
not a great time to kind of forex sales when you know suppliers lead times are longer than ever and packages are getting lost like way more than we've ever experienced you've had like multiple ingredients that we're like relying on to get these orders out just like get lost get delayed get damaged and then it just pushes everything back but yeah once we kind of um it's kind of out of our hands once we order the ingredients order the packing it's just like a matter of when we can get it and when we can make it And now a word from our sponsor. Bank of America asked Central Coast businesses, what would you like the power to do? Listening to your answer is how we learn about what matters most and help you achieve your goals. That's why we've lent over a half billion dollars to Ventura, Santa Barbara, and San Luis Obispo counties, small, mid-size, and commercial businesses. Because we don't just work here, we live here. I also saw that you posted that the past month you guys took a portion of your commissions and donated to several organizations. So can you talk about why that's important for you and your brand and the kind of community you hope to foster through your brand? Mm -hmm. I think it ties just a lot to um, myself personally. I, I've always been somebody, especially with just like Black Lives Matter and all of these movements going on that has been kind of like very deeply tied to it and very deeply affected by it. Um, I remember I was in college when like Mike Brown got murdered. And so that was when I started kind of really thinking about a lot of these issues and really, um, trying to do my part, um, within activism. And I think this last time with George Floyd, I kind of reflected back and realized, wow, I, I did so much like activist work or I did so many, you know, like, protests or things like that in college. And I kind of stopped and I looked back on like, why did I stop? And why did I stop having those conversations? And of course, you know, just because it's more comfortable, it's more comfortable to kind of like finish having those conversations and kind of like tie a bow and call it a day. And so I was very kind of just like inspired by everything going on. And I really hopped on Rosen's Instagram with everything going on. And I like, it wasn't planned. It wasn't scheduled. I just hopped on and posted that because this is something I care about. And this is something I know we have like a lot of um, black women who shop with us. And, you know, I wanted to say like, this is what we stand for. And like, you know, it is what it is. And knowing that Rosen's platform is so much bigger than my personal platform. So I wanted to make sure that we were spreading messaging that we were aligning with people on that. And we made it very clear, like, this is who we are. And this is who we're founded by. And like, this is what we care about. And so that was very important to me just to, um, take a side i think that there's always this cons uh, misconception of like not taking a side or kind of riding the fence but i feel like when you do that you kind of clearly claim your stake as far as like where you're at in terms of any matters and i think now more than ever brands are not required but customers are looking to brands to be a voice and to say like where do you stand on this issue because this is where i stand and i want to vote with my dollar i want to support brands that i know align with me and so that was something that was very um, important to me. And I wanted to make sure that we were going past, you know, just posting or just doing things like that. Of course, like on my end, I'm talking to like, you know, city council and like my local mayor and things like that. But I think as Rosen, like what can we do more? And it's just continuing to try to bring a voice to that. And even just looking at our messaging that we have like later this month or things like that, like making sure that as our platform, we're continuing to push this message and we're continuing to spread awareness. Of course, donating was something that um, we wanted to do. I saw, I think it was Milk Makeup that was doing that and I got really inspired, like, all right, let's match um, commissions from our affiliates, you know, let's partner with um, 
therapy for black girls and, you know, get some uh, memberships going out there. And then even now just continuing to think about like, where else can we give and where else can we support this cause and how else can we just like continue to drive awareness here and um, build up that message and, you know, lift up other, you know, creators or activists or people within the space who can really just share their messaging and not let it kind of die out. I'm excited to see like where you guys take this, you know, since you're starting to like really start to scale, like you mentioned, this is like a very cool thing. I, I think it's awesome that you're, you know, using your voice and your brand to, for the causes that are important. So very cool. So Viana actually typed in, she says, did you ever have any self doubt about pursuing Rosen full-time after undergrad and what made you believe that it was going to work? There's of course always doubt in what you're doing and, you know, is it going to work out? I remember being in the accelerator and really um, being, I think there was maybe one other brand in there that kind of did product, but it was very much a tech heavy space and kind of feeling like, hmm, this is like weird to be here. Like I, I just make face masks. Like, you know, like am I, why, why am I kind of like around these folks and like, you know, and what I, is what I'm doing novel enough or like cool enough to, you know, really just be considered like, a startup, you know, I can hear you say this, like, I, I just didn't really felt like we were a startup, even though we were. And so I felt a little bit there. And then, of course, going through that accelerator, the first time we made money online was the month after the accelerator. So I really went through that whole thing. Nobody was really making money. So it wasn't like a ton of pressure. But I just went through that whole thing, like, I don't know how to find people like who are these people that I have to find and how do I even find like my first customer and so that was definitely frustrating but I think you know I always believed so deeply in what I was doing and I always just reflected on what I was bringing to the market and just like as this customer I know I want it and I know it's needed so I know there's other people that do as well and so I think because I was so deeply tied to this issue and to the problem we're solving, it allowed me a lot more confidence into what I was building. I think if I was just building just a skincare brand or just something that like I didn't really feel was that beneficial other than it was like a cool product or a cool brand, I probably would have felt a little bit more um, self-conscious or maybe a little less or a little more doubtful of where we were going to go. But because I was so deeply tied to the problem we're solving, I was like, this doesn't exist and I have to just continue to build it. And then of course, once you start getting customers and things like that, it makes it a little bit easier just to continue going. Um, but that was really those early days was really just like fueled by my own passion for what we were starting. Who are your mentors? Yeah. So I have like a lot of mentors. Um, and I say that because I just, I have like an extensive list of people I email and a lot of them always respond back and give me help. And so um, there's, of course, you know, some folks that I, I chat with at Target. There's people from that startup UCLA Accelerator. Um, there are mentors, a lot of mentors that it's kind of like second or third removed connections, whether it's like somebody I met in an accelerator introduced me to somebody, introduced me to somebody else. And so I'll have folks, um, you know, in the marketing space there. Uh, I chat with a few like larger kind of founders or people within the space or even just like other founders who might be smaller than me or at the same stage as me is always really great just to chat with them and hear their thoughts around whatever they're doing. And so um, I would say like at any given time, there's definitely like any, you know, like 20 different people I could probably touch base with and reach out to. And so um, it's all very different depending on who I'm connected with. I would say the longest mentor I've had is that class that I mentioned winter quarter 
at UCLA, we like randomly got paired up with like grad school students. And um, I met one of my mentors there and we've been connected like ever since. And he's just like always just like a really great sounding board in terms of just like what's going on. He's really good at like production and operations and things like that, but also just like helping like bring clarity to any like random ideas I have. Whereas like some of my other mentors are more like uh, marketing focused or like retail focused or like how can I connect you with this partner? But Luckily, I've built up kind of just like, I just like stay in touch with everybody. I send them, I have to send them an update actually this week, just like once a quarter. I just like, hey, you know, we're still going and I, I send everyone updates. And so everyone, you know, kind of is along for the ride and has been very helpful. What has been the biggest business lesson so far? Uh, I think my biggest one would be um, cash flow especially and partnership decisions earlier this year um we were in a super tight place with cash flow and that was due to a lot of things due to kind of scaling up production um because we just you know we've been a brand fortunately that has continued to grow like you know early on like monthly and then now it's kind of more of like a quarterly stride and so i expected to be doing more than we were in Jan, the first quarter of this year. And so, you know, thinking about planning out production and, you know, okay, we don't really need this many products. So now we're spending a lot of chunk of money there. Thinking about, you know, some other partners that I decided to work with that, you know, were just like high ticket items that I didn't necessarily need to work with. And then not vetting out partners properly and um, also just taking on partners that we couldn't afford just because that same thing that goes back to like my decision-making around expenses was just like very ad hoc like there was like not a huge thought process behind it or like vetting and it'd be like yeah like there look at the upside here and not really properly calculating the downside of like how much is this and how much can I afford whenever people would say like what's your budget for this I'd kind of just like pull a number you know like I don't know you know kind of like making it up and looking at some stuff that we spent on everything like yeah that sounds good and so that's my biggest lesson which is really understanding what is a budget and finding somebody who can you know help you with that budget and what is our cash flow because those are two areas that were just like not organized at all and i think it got us to a point that was very stressful earlier this year fortunately we've obviously had a lot of growth since then i also started working with somebody on the cash flow so those two things kind of work in tandem to put us in a really good space right now but um yeah that's the biggest thing because that's the closest i've ever felt to like can I, how capable am I? Like that's the only time earlier this year is where I felt like maybe I was really good at getting it to this point, but maybe I don't know how to grow it further than this. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. And um, that was all just because it's like a very bad cash flow and not properly managing our expenses. As a young female business owner, what does empowerment mean to you? Mm, I think... When I think of empowerment, I think of being heard and having a seat at the table. Um, I think about, you know, your voice and your opinions mattering. And so I think we've seen obviously a lot of that over the last month with just like black owned businesses and um, whether it's shopping from them or whether it's retailers, you know, taking like a 15% pledge, so 15% of their shelf space to black owned brands. Um, really just knowing that you are 
you know, not necessarily a thought leader, but your thoughts matter within the space and your actions and your input is valued and, you know, really becoming a leader or a changer or, you know, a mover in any type of space and empowering that voice genuinely, not just because there's like a dollar sign attached to it. I think that's one thing we see a lot of with any type of, you know, movement or things like that. Um, seeing brands or the real thought leaders or the real decision makers say like, okay, yeah, we'll bring them in because now we're not making sales because we didn't make a good decision on like the side we're on. Or now we see that everybody's shopping, you know, black owned brands, women owned brands, whatever. So like, let's get in on that too. Or let's start offering all these shade ranges because look at how much money Fenty made off of it. As opposed to genuinely bringing those people in and genuinely caring about their experiences and their power and really just like uplifting their voices. That's what I would think of when I hear just like the word empowerment. Looking back, um, knowing everything that you know, you know, now with your business, what would you tell your younger self starting out? I would say to, it's going to feel a lot quicker than you think. Um, I remember starting out and, you know, really being interested in this idea of raising capital, but not wanting to go through with it because it just sounded like really hard and a lot of work. But I remember being very interested in that idea because I was like, I, like I said, I'm somebody who's like very actionable. I'm, you know, I do things like very quickly. I'd rather just like max out and then like chill. And so, you know, it's just very much my personality type. So I like finished college early and I like maxed out in like math classes in high school and like junior year. So I didn't have anything to be seen. Like I just like my personality type. I am like working on that. I'm like slowing down. But with that, I thought a lot about Rosen and our growth and like, I want to blow it up and I want to sell it and I want to be done, you know, and I still do want to sell Rosen. I still do want to exit and I still do want to do all that. Um, but I think I, the timeline that I thought about like how fast I'm going to do it, we've still grown very fast. Like we have kind of like, grown pretty quickly, but realizing that like, we didn't grow as quickly as I was like fantasizing about when I first started, but it still felt very fast along the way. And so just kind of like reflecting of like, it's going to go by so much faster than you expect. And of course, there's gonna be times where you aren't kind of like growing or hitting those strides, but you know, trust yourself to be able to push yourself to the next level and trust yourself that you'll be able to either get the resources or the mentorship to take you to the next level and you're like completely capable and you know what you're doing. Um, yeah, I would say just that, I, you know what you're doing and really enjoying the journey of course, but knowing that it's going to feel like it's going by very fast. Even if like right now, when you're thinking about five, 10 years out, feels like a long time away and you kind of want to grow quicker than that, knowing that it's, it's going to feel super fast at that while you're moving at that pace. So I just want to open the space to end here. If there's anything else that you want to talk about or say, um, you can find us at Rose and skincare on everything. Um, my personal Instagram is Jamika Rose. So J A M I K A Rose with an underscore at the end. Um, I talk a lot just about Rosen and being a founder in that space. And I'm always, um, very excited to connect with people and try to help them in any way I can. So you can always DM me or email me with questions you have. Um, I, I'm very excited for just like everything going on with Rosen and 
you know, hopefully for, you know, some big strides in terms of what we're doing and what we're working on within the next few months. And um, even on my personal side, I know I'm working on something with some friends just around like building a beauty brand and kind of getting some more resources out there. So definitely excited to share that. And uh, yeah, thank you again. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jamika. And everyone check out Rosen. And I thank you again for taking the time today. This was Charting Her Course, a Pacific Coast Business Times podcast. The Pacific Coast Business Times is the weekly business journal for the Central Coast with digital and print editions, as well as can't miss events. For more on the Business Times and to subscribe, please visit our website at packbiztimes.com. A huge thank you again to our sponsor, Bank of America. We're so appreciative of their support. Bank of America is committed to responsible growth for the clients and communities it serves by listening as they answer the question, what would you like the power to do? If you enjoyed this podcast, and I sure hope you did, please share with your colleagues, family, friends, and anyone else who might listen. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you stream podcasts. Please also subscribe, rate, and review. For more info on this podcast, please visit packbiztimes.com under Charting Her Course. We are also on Instagram at Charting Her Course. Give us a follow. We'd love to hear suggestions on future guests as well. This podcast is developed and produced by Linda LeBrock and me, Veronica Kuzma. Associate producer, editor, and provider of emotional support, all done by Viana Mabonic. Our gorgeous artwork was done by Corey Iniguez of Dandelion Designs. Check out her website at dandeliondesigns.com. Our very cool theme music was created by Nicholas LeBrock. Thank you, Nicholas. And a special thanks to Impact Hub in downtown Santa Barbara, where this podcast is recorded. Lastly, we're all out charting our own courses in business and in life. So while we're out there, let's wave and say hi to each other. We're in this together. 